Hey, how's it going, everybody? Um, so this is just going to be a bonus episode of John vs. Film, and I'm actually going to have video up on YouTube for this episode, like actual footage instead of just the thumbnail pic. I, I kind of just wanted to do some low-key this week because of the holidays. You know, I, I just didn't really feel like doing a full episode, I just... I needed a break. A regular con, like regular podcast episodes, will be starting out next week. You know they'll continue back up with Mamoru Hosoda month, and I'm looking forward to that. I actually got a lot of the episodes done already, except for one. But yeah, this should be coming up on New Year's Day, so Happy New Year's! I hope everyone's doing okay. But anyway, I figured what would be a good way to cap off this or December, you know, I'm going to include this as like the last, you know, part of Spider-Man month for December, you know, even though it's coming out on the first day of the new year. But so here I have the a tier list made and that that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do a tier list of the Spider-Man movies uh, the list I selected, it doesn't have Venom and Let There Be Carnage. But that's fine because I didn't watch it. That would have been like the one that I didn't watch. So I guess I don't need this one. So we're going to delete that row. So anyway, here's how I have everything set up for this tier list and i'm gonna have the audio version up for the regular podcast as well so don't worry and again it's gonna be like last week's episode where it's just kind of low-key not really putting much editing into it or just i'm not gonna put in the intro or anything so right now i have all the movies in chronological order and for those listening i'm gonna be talking you know again i gotta do this for those listening uh, it doesn't have Let There Be Carnage, but it does have the first Venom movie, and it does have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I did not talk about in my Spider-Man month. I just didn't get around to it. But I will be talking about it probably when Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 or Part 2 comes out. It depends how I want to do that, but we'll see. Anyway, the tier list. So... I'm, I just got four rows. So the top row that is spectacular. That's like the best of the best Spider-Man movies. Amazing. That's like really good. I really enjoyed those. Parker Luck is... I called it uh, Parker Luck instead of Friendly Neighborhood because I felt, you know, Parker Luck is just kind of resembling of you know what, I like it, but I can acknowledge there's some serious problems, or I have some serious problems with it. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is Public Menace. because Those are the ones that I'm just not a fan of. But, so, anyway, we got nine movies, including Venom, so... Yep, so we should be good. And yeah, I just wanted to check OBS real quick. 
So sorry for popping that on screen and gotta check out Destiny's. Yep, we're good. So anyway, let's start with Spider-Man 1. Um, I'm going to put it on lower amazing tier. I, I don't know. See, I love this movie, but I think it's the one that has aged the least well out of the Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, especially with... Like, it's not even just the one, you know, line in the cage match. It's just... Genuinely, it has the weakest... I want to say it's the weakest writing. But it's still overall fun. You know. Because... The thing is, Green Goblin, William Defoe's Green Goblin is obviously absolutely amazing. It sets the groundwork for the other two Spider-Man movies to really spring forward to. And yeah, again, you know, it's like this. I really do love this movie, but I do definitely feel that it has showed its age, and it has, you know, maybe a bit more flaws than I. I'd like to admit, but anyway, next up is Spider-Man 2. Easy, spectacular. Like, legit, one. it's one of the best comic book movies of all time, in my opinion. So it's obvious, you know, runner for spectacular. Uh, what's going to be interesting is how I'm going to, you know, really rate the top ones. But... Yeah, Spider-Man 2 has, like, it's, has such a strong focus on Peter Parker's character. It tells a really great story about burnout. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is great. I, it, there's so much to love about this movie. Next up is Spider-Man 3. I know people would probably either put it in Public Menace or Parker Luck. I'm going to put it on upper amazing tier actually i'm mean, one of the firm believers that there's I okay here's my reason why and i prefer it over spider-man one is that there's still a lot of good elements the problem is when sony executives meddled with it and i think a lot of the hate did come from how they just portrayed venom at the time and to be honest i've grown to really enjoy this version of venom Simply because it works well with the Sam Raimi trilogy. I know... I, I feel bad for Sam... Like, taking a lot of the flack for it. But... Honestly, I don't think what happened with the movie was his fault. In fact, all of the strengths of the movie... Was his doing. And he did... As well as the writers, you know... And the actors. They did the best they can with the material. And having to throw in three villains. But... I, after my recent viewing of the movie for Spider-Man Month, I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, if you look at it as if Peter Parker slash Spider-Man is the main villain of Spider-Man 3, it's actually quite a compelling story. I don't know. I feel Spider-Man 3 is underrated. Maybe it's just me being a nostalgic Sam Raimi fanboy, but... Again, seriously, I think for the movie's faults, and it does have quite a bit of faults, it, I do feel that this, what it does well, it does really well still. And 
Yeah. So next up is The Amazing Spider-Man. Should I put it in Amazing just because of the title? Should I? No. No, it's gotta go on Parker Luck, you know, and I, I, I do genuinely like The Amazing Spider-Man. You know, the take uh, The Amazing Spider-Man movies have, like, I think there is a lot of good to it, but there is quite a bit more flaws to it than the Sam Raimi trilogy. Uh, but the, some of the positives are, you know, obviously Andrew Garfield's how he like his version of Peter. He does such a great job portraying, you know, that spiteful, lonesome Peter Parker and that really cocky and funny, you know, uber confident Spider-Man. He's very funny as Spider-Man, but I also really enjoyed his version of Peter Parker. And of course, his chemistry with Emma Stone's. You know, Gwen Stacy, that was great. Um, but Dr. Connors was kind of a weak villain, but that's due to just Sony cutting a lot of this movie. See, the problem with the Amazing Spider-Man movies isn't with the creative team, it's with Sony mucking everything up. They fucked it up. <laughs> Alright? They really did. So bad, you know, like, they just, they're, like, with these movies, you know, that Sony interferes is that there is a genuine good movie, but again, Sony just, they did not let, you know, the creatives be where, like, they didn't let them do what they needed to do. They forced their own agendas, and no, I'm not going with, like, the political woke agendas. I mean, they're just money-centric agendas of, like, oh, well... We need this movie to be around two hours. It can't be more than two hours. Or, oh, you gotta cut this. Oh, you gotta cut that. I mean, it's just... Sony's meddling. That's the biggest enemy to Spider-Man. Anyway, next up. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. There's no way that's amazing. I Here's the thing. I actually enjoy Amazing Spider-Man 2. I do love the strong points of it. You know, similar... The music, cinematography, again, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, they're really good. I do like Jamie Lee, Fo Jamie, no, not Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow, that that would be a very unique Electro, though. Jamie Lee Curtis says Electro, no, Jamie Foxx says Electro. I like this version of Electro, and I don't, I don't get why people complain about his look. I think he looks fine. I don't understand the criticisms of the blue look, even though it's reminiscent of the Ultimate Comics. But anyway, I really enjoyed the Times Square scene. Uh, the problem is that there's just too much going on in this movie. How they forced in Green Goblin. Harry Osborn's Green Goblin sucked. Sucked really bad in this one. Gwen Stacy's death was great, but it didn't feel earned because again they try to push too they try to keep too much in this movie without ironically uh spider-man amazing spider-man sony cut out too much yet in Sp amazing spider-man 2 they didn't cut enough out <laughs> or a uh, youtube channel i follow filmento he described it great in his 
what was it, uh, failure, cinematic failure series. But, yeah, he described it as, you know, they only trimmed everything up instead of cutting stuff out. You know, and that's like a perfect, perfect explanation of what they did with Amazing, oh, blah, Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, that's definitely lower Parker luck. Alright, next up is Spider-Man Homecoming. Hmm. So, the movie's definitely amazing. I really enjoyed this, you know, version of Peter. Like, or at least this story. I like how he, you know, I like Michael Keaton's Vulture. He's one of the best Marvel villains. But I don't know where to put it on the amazing tier. That That's the problem. Do I put it above Spider-Man 3? Because technically it's stronger, maybe? No. Well, it's more so... I, I think Spider-Man 3 is a bit better, personally. But it's more Spider-Man 1. How... Uh... I'm going to put it above Spider-Man 1. Because, again, I I like what it does. I like the low-scale you know, conflict. I love Vulture as a villain. I love you know, minor villains like Shocker and Tinker being included. I, I genuinely like you know, the lessons Peter Parker has to go through in this movie. And it's also a pretty funny movie, not going to lie. Um, but the reason, again, the reason why it's above Spider-Man 1, again, I love Spider-Man 1, I'm nostalgic for it, but it's just, Homecoming feels a bit more in root with the early high school days of Steve Ditko's run with Spider-Man, you know, for starters, and this was before, you know, the Iron Man Jr. debate, because the thing is, you know, that was only really prevalent for Far From Home because I'll get into Far From Home, but it wasn't bad here because, you know, that was part of, you know, the story is Spider-Man stepping out of Iron Man's, you know, just wanting to be the next Iron Man. And somewhere, you know, retrospect, uh, or just being like Tony or whatever. But yeah, I just think that I don't know. I guess I liked it just slightly bit better than Spider-Man 1, even though I think Spider-Man 1 may be the technically better movie. I don't know. Venom. All right. This is my hot take. Ready? Ready? It is under public menace. It is very much a public menace. Wanna why? You know, it's, it's not even a bad... Like a super bad movie. Just overall, it's fine. It 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 can give you a good chuckle, a good Saturday morning, you know, ride with the Venom and Eddie dynamic, and just like there's some cool parts. But I was more so when I was watching in the theater. Like I only seen it once in theaters, but my side, I was more so making fun of the movie rather than really enjoying what the movie had to offer. That's not ex- 
and that's not always a good sign, you know. It wasn't their intent, you know. It's just more so my enjoyment came from making fun of the movie. So when looking at the movie more objectively, I I, I didn't rewatch it, you know, since I saw it in theaters in 2018. So it's been a while. So take take this opinion with a grain of salt. But I don't know. I felt. See, my main gripe is that they. Tr- this is just Sony wanting to cash in on Venom, but. To me, Venom works best as a Spider-Man villain, you know, or the Spider-Man connection. And getting rid of that connection, it really hurts Venom's character. Alright, but enough about Venom being a public menace uh, on this tier list. Where does Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse go to? Spectacular. Obviously spectacular. I will rearrange the spectacular list... You know, I I will talk about it, you know, because it's going to be, it's hard. It is very difficult because Spectacular, ah, I'm sorry, I almost said Spectacular Spider-Man, which that is a spectacular show, but Into the Spider-Verse is such an amazing, fantastic movie. Is like the animation is so great. I mean... Before Into the Spider-Verse re- for 3D animation, it was really, everyone was trying to be like DreamWorks Pixar. They kind of all looked similar. You know, they all shared similar art style. But, you know, in an animation perspective, Into the Spider-Verse really, I mean really pushed the bar when it comes to art style and artistic, you know, like limits of the 3D animation. They really went above and beyond and granted i've seen a lot of creative people online do great things with 3d animation and 3d animation tools i mean uh the guy who does uh the burger i don't want to say burger time but uh we're the kids worthy kids uh i don't know he does i i hope you guys know what i'm talking who i'm talking about he does uh this burger truck you know animation series using blender and he also makes some really cool 3d animated like short videos that look eerily you know similar to a rankin bass holiday stop motion you know special it's like legit what he does with blender is amazing but anyway Sorry for the tangent, but again, back to Into the Spider-Verse. If it was just the animation and art style that was great, it would just be amazing. You know, for like it would just be amazing for the art style animation alone, but the story, the writing, the acting, it's all top-notch. This movie is very well-crafted. It's one of the best, if not you know, the best Spider-Man movie, you know, at least in a technical sense, you know, subjective, you know, you gotta look at them. And it's definitely one of the best comic book movies out there. And definitely, I'm going to say it, the best animated superhero movie we, we've ever seen. Like, I know Batman has some great animated movies. I Like, it's not to discount the great animated movies 
like superhero movies we've gotten in the past, but this one's just on a whole new level, and it really, it really pushed the medium of 3D animation. So for that, you know, for all that spectacular. All right. Now we have Spider-Man: Far From Home. Hmm. 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 Ah. It's either Park Upper Parker Luck or Lower Amazing. I'm gonna go with Lower Amazing because I don't think it's as bad as you know people say. You know, and to an extent, I kind of understand, you know, the Iron Man Jr. criticism for Far From Home. But I also sympathize with Far From Home in that aspect because there was just, it came out right after Endgame. It's kind of hard. It would have been super hard not to talk about Iron Man. Like, the movie couldn't just ignore Iron Man's death. Um, like there, it's just no way because Iron Man is a beloved character in our world, and he was a beloved hero in the MCU, and yeah, so there, there was just no way to talk about it. Uh, I do have some, you know, my own criticisms. You know, I feel, you know, that too much, you know, Nick Fury. Like, I definitely felt, you know, the absence of Uncle Ben here was kind of a misstep. Uh, sort of the dr- giving Peter the drones was, in retrospect, kind of a dumb thing of Tony to do. And, you know, there's just, you know, some little minor things that build up. And, yeah, it's it's not, it's definitely not the best Spider-Man movie. But the reason why it's amazing is for two reasons. One... Tom Holland is he's doing a really good job as Peter in these movies and I like to see Peter definitely start to struggle a bit more not as much as No Way Home that's when he starts to really have his struggles but you know I like to see this you know this version of Peter it's growing up like he is growing up um so Tom Holland's Peter, that's one reason why it's amazing. The other reason is Mysterio. How they handled Mysterio in this movie was really well done. I don't know what it is about... Okay, no, I know exactly what it is. Is that Spider-Man has always had a great rogues gallery, but they're doing such a great job implementing you know, these rogue gallery you know, members that we have not seen through... You know, uh, past Spider-Man movies are they're doing real good job in the MCU, and they're some of the best villains the MCU has ever seen. You know, they play like, and the thing was, in the promotional parts where they're making Mysterio the hero, only for him to be a twist villain. Well, anyone who's read the comics knows he was going to be a villain because that's just who he is. But how they handled that twist was really good. And it's definitely aligned with Mysterio's first appearance in the comics. Like, he first came on the scene touting himself as a hero. You know, and framing Spider-Man as a villain. 
you know, so what, like, and again, I, I don't even have an issue with him being, you know, moving away from his special effects director's route into the Tony Stark, you know, used to work for Tony Stark because I think it's really, it makes sense because Tony Stark had the holograph equipment. It was, and it was also great to see Far From Home tie back to Civil War in that way. Oh, it makes it feel like things were planned out ahead of time, even if they weren't in reality. And I also dig both Mysterio's CGI outfit as well as his actual outfit, which is a mocap suit with a bubble head. <laughs> and I just... Quinn Beck is such a... Such a great villain that you kind of want... Like, you kind of hate. Not hate, but... He, charming villain, I guess. And how he manipulates Peter, you know, and all that. It's just... I really enjoyed Mysterio and Far From Home. And that's the reason why. That's amazing. Now. The big reveal. Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, well, it's definitely not Public Menace. It's definitely not Parker Luck. And it's either going to be Lower Spectacular or Upper Amazing. It's also very hard to place uh, No Way Home because it just came out recently. You know, I, I'm still a little hyped over the movie. I, I, I've had it set, but you know what? Let's put it in Spectacular. And because even though but lower spectacular. I think Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 are better films. Uh, because there is definitely flaw, like some noticeable you know, flaws with No Way Home. Like, especially in the writing department. Because they, there's just some continuity errors that didn't really work out too great. You know, some motives were kind of weakish, you know, or just not fully developed and all that. But overall, though, what it does poorly, which is not super a lot, it does what it does well. It does spectacularly well. And sorry, pun was intended. But yeah, sorry, I just had to check how long I've been recording. You know, longer than my No Way Home review, funny enough. But, and by the way, spoilers, sorry. Uh, click out of the video if you don't want spoilers, starting now. Alright, so how they included the previous villains and the previous Spider-Man were really well done. Again, other than the continuity issues with the villains particularly, and I guess you can like... Fly, you know, shoot away with multiverse theory and stuff like that. But they, what I was, you know, surprised about was that they really kept true to their characters. It, it genuinely felt like they just were ripped from their movie franchise. Uh, Andrew Garfield still felt like his version of Peter from the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Toby, you know, felt straight. Like, he was ripped out through, you know, straight from, you know, the Raimi trilogy. 
like other than you know Electro, you know everyone that was from the previous movies just felt ripped right from their movie franchise. You know and they just did a good job keeping true to their characters. William Dafoe was also a fucking beast in No Way Home. I I don't know which like it's just so amazing that he was able to retain you know that green goblin you know character and do such a fantastic job like he did a fantastic job in the first Sam Raimi one in 2002 but after almost 20 years returning to the role and still pulling off a 10 out of 10 green goblin performance was so great the fact that he could be a green goblin to two different spider-man and not only that but a fantastic green goblin like this is like he is the green goblin you know because you know like he really gets the character and they expect you know that first of all you know this or like twisted you know personality or between of Norman Osborn and the struggle of control between him and Green Goblin. He got that. You know. And also just Green Goblin enjoying every single evil act he does. I mean I'm gonna say it right now. Green Goblin is my favorite MCU villain and here's the reason why. I it's not to this, you know uh I discount, you know, the great villains we've had before with Thanos, Killmonger. But those, you know, always there was always, you know, an attempt to like humanize them and that there was like they didn't really enjoy what they were doing, but there was more like, oh, we have to be bad because we feel what we're doing is right. But here, Green Goblin, he's doing some like first of all, he's like no, I'm powerful. I should control the world. Th- that's not even like a morally. That's not even like something with good intentions. Like, I, I got to be careful because it's like I am not pro genocide by all means. But you can see where Thanos had, in his own twisted way, what he thought he was doing was in good intentions because he was doing it for the benefit of the universe in his own twisted mind again genocide is not the way i gotta put the disclaimer out there genocide no no that's bad i disagree with that you know but you can see where he's coming from and somewhat sympathize with it you know just that you can sympathize with the need of wanting to do what's best for the world your home you know and whatnot but Green Goblin, no, he just wants to rule the world. That's not even morally, you know, like he can't sympathize with it. And he does some really evil shit here. Like uh killing Aunt May. You know, and just taunting, you know, pushing breaking Tom Holland's Peter to you know such a degree. And what makes him great is not that he's doing it. It's that he's enjoy he enjoys doing it. I mean that apartment fight scene where Peter's really wailing on him. 
Green Goblin was laughing. And I want to know why he was laughing. It wasn't because, you know, it's like, oh, your punches are not doing, you know, aren't, you know, doing anything. It's not that type of laugh, you know, like, aha, I'm tougher than you. No, it's because I'm. he's laughing because he knows he is pushing Tom Holland's Peter's buttons. He, you know, he sees it as I'm winning in the psychological war. I just, uh, so great. And also has some of my favorite mo- moments out of the MCU Spider-Man runs. Like, even on a second, you know, watch through, I- I'm probably repeating stuff from my No Way Home review. I'm sorry, but second watch through, you know, watching, seeing Andrew Garfield save MJ, I, I got emotional. Even a second time, you know, watching it, it's truly great. The fan service I felt was in good taste, which is, you know, it's weird to say, you know, you'd think fan service should, you know, always be in good taste, but lately it hasn't been, with examples being Star Wars Episode Nine and Hot Take, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I thought those two movies did fan service and such poor taste. But here, fan service was done very tastefully, you know, and with some moments just being subtle, you know, it's like subtle enough, you know, where fans will notice, but it doesn't really, you know, it's not blatant. Like, it's not like, you know, really trying to shove in your face fan service. You know, I put, like, it felt like, yeah, the people who were making this were truly fans and they're not just, you know, doing fan service to just get people to come in and watch the movie. And, you know, it just, there felt a lot of love. And I really love Andrew Garfield's scene, you know, saving MJ. I got emotional watching it. But I also really love Toby stopping Tom from killing Green Goblin. It's just, you know, I, I got to stop right here. We are already past a half an hour. I, like, uh, but anyway, how will I rearrange spectacular? So, um, so no way home again because of its, you know, flaws, noticeable flaws, you know, with the writing department. It's definitely at the end of spectacular. So it's really, do I let Spider-Man? Two or Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse be the top one. It's so hard. It is legitimately hard because the thing is, I will change this answer every second. I am so torn between Spider-Man Two and Into the Spider-Verse. It is. They are generally so close in quality, in my opinion. You know, and Spider-Man Two has you know again an edge with the nostalgia department because I watched all Sam Raimi movies when they came out of theaters when I was a kid. But Into Spider-Verse is also a really great Spider-Man movie, like such a great movie in general. Like these two are the genuinely superior, like are genuinely superb films, superb storytelling. It's just they're they're really tied for me. But if I had to be, again, my answer will change like every moment, you know, because I'm just so torn between them. Like one, one day I'll say Spider-Man 2 is better than Into the Spider-Verse. The next day I'll say spider I like, you know, Into the Spider-Verse better than Spider-Man 2. It's so neck and neck. But 
right now, I'm just going to keep it as is. Spider-Man 2 is top. So, overall, here's my ranking. Number one, Spider-Man 2. Number two, very, very close second into the Spider-Verse is my number two spot. Number three is No Way Home. Then number four, Spider-Man 3. Number five, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number six is Spider-Man 2002. Number seven, Far From Home. Number eight, The Amazing Spider-Man. Number nine, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And all the way at the bottom, at number 10, Venom. Being our only one in Public Menace. So, yeah, anyway, that's my tier list. So, there you go. Again, Happy New Year. Back to regular podcast next week. And I'm hoping for 2022 that I'm going to be pumping a bit more content out. I, I'm going to be working on a plan with that. So, anyway, here's my outro. Uh, follow me on the socials and yada yada. You know the drill. If you've been watching, and spoiler alert, nobody's been listening or watching. But anyway, again, seriously, I hope you guys have a fantastic 2022. You know, just real quick, if you had a really sucky 2021, I feel ya. The past few years have not been great for a lot of people. And honestly, I'm not sure if 2022 is going to be that much better, but... I hope it's better for you, whoever's listening. I, if you, especially if you had a 2020, like a really bad 2021, I hope this year is better for you. It's not going to be, you know, it's got to be something you want, though, or got to work towards would be the best way to portray it. It's like you got to work towards having, you know, going for a better year, you know, and it's, it's a lot of work. But I I know you can do it, whoever's listening, that you can make 2022 uh, at least a better year. Maybe not the best year, maybe not a good year, but hopefully better than your worst year. Or if you had, a, again, if you had a bad 2021, make it better than that. Don't worry about making it the best year ever. Just do the best you can. But anyway, other than that, thank you for listening or watching and Have an awesome year, truly.